Hello, everyone. Thanks again for being here on the podcast. I've got a really cool episode. Uh, Hunter Christensen is on. He was in uh, Thailand, Vietnam, that area, when the pandemic hit. And so we kind of talk about that, sort of how it interrupted his backpacking trip, sort of why he wants to travel for a living. Uh, talk about kind of all kinds of stuff related to traveling abroad and um, sort of how the pandemic has interrupted that and just sort of what's gone on since then. So uh, it was a pretty interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Also, I uh, just want to give a shout-out to Roger That Barbecue. Uh, it's an awesome local restaurant in Salem. Um, he, I recorded an episode with him a couple weeks ago. I haven't edited it yet, and these ones are coming up earlier because these ones I've figured out a new program that has video, and it basically edits for you. So, um, Roger, sorry, I'll get your episode out hopefully this week. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, I just want to give them a shout-out. Incredible Barbecue. Check them out. They're open Thursday through Sunday, uh, Thursday, Friday, I think they open at four Saturday, they open Saturday and Sunday, they open at noon and they basically just go until they run out of food. So, um, check them out. Also, if you would be so kind, please make sure to, uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, maybe leave a review if that's something you're into, but, uh, yeah, thank you as always for listening. Appreciate it. I hope you're having a great holiday season. I hope Christmas was good. And that New Year's is uh, looking better for you as we head into 2021. Hopefully things won't be like 2020. Anyway, here's the episode. All right, welcome to Little Pod That Could. My guest today is Hunter Christensen. Uh, Hunter, thanks for being here. Of course. I'm yeah. Here. Yeah, dude. And uh, we don't know each other that well. I'm, I'm, I know we must know each other through basketball, I'm thinking. Matthew kind of, Yeah, through Noza a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, and but what kind of – there's a lot of things that intrigue me about you just kind of watching your socials and whatnot. But I, I want to talk a, a little bit about you traveling – traveling during the pandemic and all that too, but also just kind of, we were just talking, I asked you, it's eight 30 on Sunday morning. And I asked you if you always get up this early and you said, no, but you used to get up at five 30. So tell me about that. What was going on? Used to. So uh, it didn't really start until about sixth grade, but from sixth grade until I want to say my sophomore year of college, it was just ingrained in me with a single mama raising two kids is mm-hmm. you wait and you get rolling you know you gotta you got your get your own stuff together and so even just from being in sixth seventh grade it was waking up at five o'clock in the morning and, and getting showered and making sure you get your food and, and getting to, to school on time and that just kind of stayed with me throughout middle school high school and early college is just you wake up early and you get after it and then yeah. as soon as you're done doing all the stuff that you do then you can relax and hang out and, and enjoy yourself but that, that was just kind of thing where it's if i slept into about 6 30 it felt like i was really sleeping in and if we got to seven o'clock, I was I was worried. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so then how does it end up, you know, where did that go? Just one of those things that erodes over time or 
I think I think it's uh, less responsibility I had yeah. going in. I'm very blessed and grateful for that, but less responsibility. Um, I think there was l- there wasn't anything needing me that early either. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't have a dog that wants to wake me up at a certain time. I don't got kids right now that want to wake me up at a certain time. I don't mm-hmm. have uh, a work. My work, I work at Basil and Board, and the earliest we get going is 11 o'clock because the door is open. Sure. So I, for me, I, I, I like it. So over the years, I've just kind of gone into that and just let my body sleep until I'm ready to wake up, which okay. is awesome. But at the same time, it, it can throw stuff off. So there will be times where I wake up at about 930. But it's, you know, I feel refreshed. I feel great and, and get rolling. But other times I would try to wake up at seven and get, gets pushed out to about 930. And that's when it feels a little bit tough. But you, you don't feel like you get a full sleep on that. But hmm. OK, so uh, for people who don't know you, maybe let's provide a little bit of context, maybe kind of yeah. tell people like who you are, what you do, anything unique that we should know going in here. Uh, yeah, just give me a little bit. Honestly, for me, too, because like, like I said, we're not really – I don't know you that well. No, definitely. I mean, we met through basketball. I, I believe I want to say we, the first time I met you was at McKay. It was, I think, okay. open, open like an open gym or something, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so I met you through Espinosa, and he, he put it a lot – I honestly can't recall what he said, but <laughs> there's a – just say, hey, this is a good friend of mine. And then next thing, led. Every every time we had a conversation at McKay, it seemed like it was all right. So, And every single time I talked to you or heard about you, you seemed like an awesome dude. And so it's a beautiful thing. And plus, following your social has been really fun, too. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, my, see, I was born in Tualatin, and my family moved to Kaiser uh, a couple years after that and ended up just staying and living in Kaiser from – age i want to say three or four until about 18 19 when i left off to college but went to kaiser elementary claggett creek middle school um, mcnary high school um growing up it was a lot of basketball it was a lot of track um my family was a was a traveling family so my grandpa was the assistant dean of the business school at u of o and my grandma was just kind of a stay-at-home mom making sure everything's all right and during the summer, we would try to make sure that we would go camp about five times and then make a family trip about a couple other times. And so it was constantly just getting up and traveling and, and doing stuff. And if, if you weren't out and about doing something, if you weren't taking advantage of a weekend, if you weren't doing something along those lines, either bettering yourself or exercise or going out and seeing something new or a new town, that's just not something that we like. that's that's what we did. That's just kind of what we did growing up. So do you think that's kind of where, sorry to interrupt there, but do you think that's kind of where you developed the, like the love of wanting to travel and kind of that spirit of exploring? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that really started with my, my grandparents on both, on both sides, but more specifically my grandparent on my grandpa, my mother's side, he, him being in, in the collegiate system that he was, he had opportunities to teach in Jamaica and Denmark and, I believe France, um, he ended up taking a sabbatical to China for about nine months. And so it's, it's seeing pictures of him and on his journeys. It's seeing him with the locals. It's seeing him eating food and, and on a camel's back or, you know, what have you. It's, just, it's seeing stuff like that where it, it just, 
it, from a very young age, it just interested me. And I really wanted to, wanted to go see that. And when I was a little kid, my uncle lived in Japan and he taught English abroad. And from that moment, my mom and dad decided to take me as a nine month old baby on over and explore that. And apparently from what they've said is I was running around and meeting all the little kids and I would always have sticky rice and green beans on me from just being a messy little boy, but just friendly and outgoing and, and seeing people. And so seeing those when I was about in seventh grade, I finally got to really see the pictures, really see some of the, the items we took back and my mom talked to me about it. And that really hit me pretty hard. And so from about seventh grade, I made not necessarily me, but our family made big pushes to go travel. And so in, in middle school, it was going and seeing Mazatlan, Mexico and Vancouver, Canada and certain other places here in the States and going to Orlando and Disney World and certain mm -hmm. other places and just getting out and about and, and not necessarily going to, to chain restaurants or things like that, going to the local places, going to, you know, if, if you're in Mexico, go to places where the menu is in Spanish and not necessarily in English. Uh, mm -hmm. It's 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 just things like that. And so after after graduating high school, I thought I wanted to go to college and complete that right away. But it didn't it wasn't like that. There was that big, big bug itching me that I needed to go travel. And that was that was the main thing where it's after dropping out of what was it? dropping out of Chemeketa, I just decided that this was something that I needed to do at least for a while, because if I'm not going to get my studies right, I'm, I want to get my travel experiences in. Hmm. And, th and thankfully, because of them, they're very supportive of, of me going and backpacking. But it's it's kind of the sorry, it's going all over the place. But yeah, that's no, kind it's of, good. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the family where, where I grew up with, where it's the, the go, go, go family and you do stuff. And they they definitely brought that that travel in. You know, every every chance they get, they always try to go somewhere and, and experience something new. And it's just. It's a very freeing thing when you have a family that's able to support you and and has done all that stuff. So you graduate from high school and then start going to college because that's probably think that's what you're supposed to do after school after you well, graduate yeah, that, high school, right? Yeah, I mean that was kind of the, that was kind of the message that that we all got growing up. I mean, growing mm -hmm. up that that wasn't ever a thought. It was you go to middle school, obviously, you go to high school, graduate high school, and you go immediately into college, and right? You get that get that rolled out four years five years later and you get rolling but that's not <laughs> you know hey it's it's really not like that for many people at least from my experience and so so you uh, how far what what was it when was the deciding factor when you were in college day one you're like okay no or like at really. what point did you decide you were you didn't want to be there it was the second college i went to the it second was, college yeah, because my mind you, my apologies, I need to get it backed up a little bit. But after McNary, after I graduated in 2013, mm -hmm. I ended up going to Western Oregon University okay. that, that following fall. And I was at Western Oregon University for the first two years, so 2013 to 14, and then 14 to 15. And okay. then I ended up getting academically suspended from Western Oregon. And that was a real kick where it's like, okay, I have a chance to either do something that I really want to do or keep trying to go down this path and, and mm -hmm. try to make you know, the family happy and everything like that. Cause they, they supported me doing that. And so there's that feeling of like, I need to, I, you know, they're helping me with this. I like, I have to get, get that rolling, but it just, it, it never sat right with me. And so when I got mm -hmm. to lane, 
and just hit me after meeting many different people. I ended up meeting somebody at Lane who talked to me about taking a pause from studies or for you know your career and going abroad and backpacking. And he ended up doing it for about 10 months. And so him and I got talking back and forth about that. And that's what really piqued my interest even more is when I talked to a couple of professors, they were really on board about it and they thought that was really exciting. But it was just confusing that they wanted me to do all the studies and and to get this rolling. But every time I talked about going and traveling or talked about going to Thailand or talked about all these other places, it wasn't. I mean, they were excited, but it wasn't the same excitement, mm-hmm. which ended up getting me super excited. <laughs> Something that, you know, if, if there's all these places in this planet and we haven't really, you know, if, if you only live in a small part, you only have so much information so much knowledge so much understanding of the world and the more you get out and about and see other places and people it really helps you get a better understanding of what's around you and so that's that's something that just that really took me by storm and so that's the trigger where ended up having you know the heart racing and telling the family hey like i'm not gonna be doing this (laughs) at least at least for right now and it, it was tough at first but once i explained it to them it was i went way better than expected Hmm. They very understanding. And when was that? I want to say that was 2000, 2018. Okay, is when I finally made the decision to 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 purchase the ticket and and go. And two thousand nineteen is when I ended up purchasing my my ticket abroad. Okay, and so you were because you were like in the middle of the trip when the pandemic hit, correct? Yeah, no, well, because I was <laughs> I was in Thailand. We Thailand got it January, I think it was 7th, January 8th was the first case somewhere around there. Okay. And I was just leaving Bangkok to go to Koh Tao. And okay. so that whole So you that were in month, that area too, like where it's was hot and heavy from the start, right? Like, I mean, kind of, yeah. Well, sort it, of it, like the region, yeah. Cause sure. Wuhan is about, a, I want to say, a thousand miles from Hanoi, and Hanoi is right obviously in the region mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 much closer i was much closer to wuhan than i think i there was a little map it's like the people in portland were farther away people in portland and people in la like that distance i believe is farther than the distance i was from hanoi wow. vietnam to wuhan. Okay. and so, i think that was about 700 miles bird, bird you know bird fly so when did you let's start before we get into that start where did the trip start and kind of like how long were you out? Because you were places before. I remember seeing that you were kind of in different spots doing different things before all of this happened. Like when did the trip start and where did you start and kind of what were you seeing before all of the pandemic stuff started? Yeah, so I started my trip in Bangkok, Thailand. Okay. And went south to Koh Tao and then came back up to Bangkok and then from Bangkok up to Chiang Mai and then Chiang Mai back to Bangkok Bangkok over to Hanoi and then Hanoi all the way down the the coast of Vietnam to Ho Chi Minh City and then from Ho Chi Minh City over to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and then from Kuala Lumpur Malaysia I went oh it was because there's Penang Georgetown in the north and I forget the town Malacca it was Kuala Lumpur to Malacca Malacca back up to Penang and then Penang to Kuala Lumpur and I mean it started out amazing it started out nobody was saying anything there there wasn't any talk about it nothing like that but then come January 13th I was at a 
I was at a little local bar and talking with a with the local, and he started mentioning how there's some something going on in China, and then a couple other people nearby, the locals that were, um, or the, they were the ones really talking about it. It was on the newspaper. I wasn't able to read it, mind you, but mm. you can see you can see people in masks. You can see people, you know, China, and it's it's one of those where it's like, oh, okay, and started looking into it a little bit more, and it. I didn't. I didn't expect it to to be what it was. Nobody else expected it to to be mm. what it is now. Um, but it really wasn't a thought. I guess that's kind of the the thing at first. They they, so, they were talking about it, but it wasn't anything. How long had you been traveling at that point? What when, when did you first get over my, there? My uh, January fifth is when okay. I landed in Bay. Oh, so it was like not that. It was like you were just starting. Yeah, I yeah oh, wow. just started. <laughs> I, okay. I wish I wish I, I wish I had you know. I wish yeah. I had a couple prior to yeah. that. But, Wait, no. but you went to a lot of different places in that time. Because when did you end up flying back here? March 15th. Okay, so I you had a couple months. Um, you you know, you know mentioned all these places you went. Can you talk about some of the cool experiences that you had in those places before we mm-hmm. get into? It's like we're jumping right to the pandemic. Okay. But I mean, you had a bunch of stuff happen in between before that. Like like on the trip, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw you yeah. eating like uh, look like some kind of insect on your Instagram. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that really was the the most interesting. I think the most unique thing is the hostel, first and foremost. I think that really gets people. I, I, they don't know what to think. They just think it's beds randomly thrown into a room, and that's what you get. But it's it's that was the most interesting thing versus the hostel there's so many different ways to go about it you have cubicle hostels where each bed is its own little cubicle and Mm. a little that can protect you other hostels are more like this where there's just beds thrown and then a sheet and that's your privacy and then there's it just varies but that was one of the biggest surprises for me because i've never seen a hostel especially here in you know the united states at least Mm -hmm. i've just never, never seen one so that right there was was very strange and right when i landed the taxi driver who was taking me to the hospital hostel it was extremely nice i've never met anybody that nice before and i asked that's kind of the norm around there and that's kind of the norm and later on you realize that is the norm and people are nice and that took me by surprise too i know something was a little bit shocker that every single person i met will either smile or wave or something like that Another another big shocker is, is is the food. Some of the more interesting things I had was a scorpion, was a gator, was um, oh god, it, the scorpion really was. It, it, that was the most interesting one. It tasted just like chicken, but it wasn't yeah. chicken. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then it's 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 traveling. I guess another one is traveling in an overnight sleeper train, and so it's just like a regular train, but then they convert all the seats into beds and it's hmm. about a 14 hour trip from bangkok to chiang mai and that's how a lot of people do it because you get a night accommodation and food and the travel all included hmm. but i've just i've never been i've never heard of a sleeper train like that i mean obviously you have different stuff here in the states and you have closed doors and private rooms but that was more yeah. you have the whole the whole hall it's open you maybe get a sheet to give you a little bit of privacy but where you see people sitting in the train that's where they convert it and that's where they get to sleep it's not some kind of room that they go off to hmm. um, 
a lot of things that surprised me too was uh, Bangkok in the heart of downtown Bangkok. It felt like a bigger city. It felt it felt more modern than Portland. It felt more modern than being in downtown Seattle. I, hmm. I it, everything was clean. Everything, nothing was dirty. There was there was no, you know, I, I don't want this to come off the right. There was no homeless people sitting anywhere. Every like it just wasn't like that. Hmm. And so that was, that was another thing that was quite shocking to me too. It was it, stuff like that. And then interesting, Vietnam was probably the most interesting place. It, the The people they come, at least from my experience, they come off a little bit stoic and harsh. But once you get past that, they, I, I think they're even nicer than than Thai people. It's hmm. it's unbelievable. But from Vietnam too, it. It's realizing when I realized how many different resistant wars they they were in against different nations, it makes you really, really think differently about the people and and how they go about and how they interact. And just trying to get to know and understand them and their history was something beautiful. Hmm. And just street food. I guess that's another one. Yeah. Street food is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Okay. And it. And it's normal. Like it, for me, I, like I just found out with chicken eggs here in the States, you got to freeze them because it's a certain coating or something on it. But overseas and most other places, it's not necessarily like that. And so it's just interesting to go and see different things and go have you know a breakfast in a way that normally I wouldn't have it here. Hmm. And you, you walk down the street. I, I could just walk out my apartment or hostel and right on the street, there's seven, eight different vendors you know, for, for different food. It's, oh, it's a lovely thing. Hmm. And so pre-pandemic, the experience, how would you, what kind of descriptive words would you, you know, was it, was it like the best time of your life? Was it like a time of learning? Like what, how would you sum that up? I would sum that up as probably the most life-changing experience I've had. I I would say it's life-changing just because it was, it was by myself and didn't really realize it was a pandemic until you really, you know, about mid February is when things started to really take a turn and really, <laughs> but I, I didn't know. And, you know, I was, I was living to what I thought was the equivalent of heaven. I, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. So you're, you're loving life. You're learning a lot of stuff. It's a life changing experience. And then, you know, you're at the local bar and you start hearing the locals talking about, something going on in china now i'm assuming you're like sometimes communicating back here with your family maybe some friends here and and, i mean it didn't seem i don't remember really hearing anything about it until march-ish was like when maybe february people had started saying something march is really where i remember they started talking about it so when you called over like early on i'm assuming you were asking questions about it were people over here like Wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Thankfully, I got messages that that can hold that truth. But that's exactly what was happening. I, I, I was reaching out to, to my mama and, and my pops and, and certain other my best friends, too. Mm-hmm. And just, just letting them know, like, hey, something's going on over here. Because I think uh, come end of January or towards the end of January is when they put Wuhan in a lockdown. And so for us, you know, when I was hearing the locals, the way that they were talking about it, it was scary because they don't they don't normally hear about people like you know i think that region was about 60 million people not just wuhan but the the region itself mm-hmm. when they first 
that. So it's, it was very strange that 60 million people got locked down. And so I ended up reaching out to my mom being like, hey, you know, <laughs> what you've been hearing about this? Hey, are you are you taking precautions? Are you being safe? Anything like that? Mm-hmm. Pardon me. But she said, no, I haven't heard anything. Haven't really heard much. I heard it's just some kind of thing that's going to go away eventually. And mm-hmm. Okay. Same with my pops who lives up in Spokane, Washington. Asking him, have you been hearing this? Have you been this and that? And they, whether they were trying to do it for my own comfort and safety while while I was abroad and trying to make sure that I'm not freaking out too much or what have you, but it, it you know, they, they too, they weren't, what's, what is it? They weren't concerned about it, I guess. Sure. That's the thing. So, so were you, you, were you, how does, how do you feel about that then? Like, are you like, oh, okay, well, if it's not a big deal over there, then it must not be a thing. Or were you like confused or how were you? I was confused. Okay. I was because every other person I was with and every other person I was around, they were either talking about it or taking precautions. I mean, doing something. I mean, even even from mid January on, there was billboards everywhere about wearing your mask. And I mean, that culture itself in general. I mean, Japan is probably the best at it, but that area that that culture that they have is that you just wear a mask if you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it's a little bit different, but. I mean, from the from I want to say January 23rd on is when they started putting up a whole bunch of billboards where they started really talking about it. Now, were you sorry, were you coming across like other foreigners, like people from maybe uh, Europe or, you know, and and what were were they also what kind of news were they getting from their friends and family back home? They were getting. The same thing, kind of. It, it seems that European travelers, American travelers, and Russian travelers, which I met quite a bit as well, and a little bit of South South American, but they they weren't as concerned about it either. <laughs> at least at least the the Russians and the Germans that I hung out with, they were not as concerned. I mean, they they all have plans and everything in place to have friends come over and meet them on a, on a mid trip or, you know, and so to go to another place and start teaching or, you know, they, they just weren't concerned about it and they weren't really thinking about it. And yeah. that, that too was kind of setting me off because certain other people that I was talking to that it, it, it just seemed like the locals were a lot more pressed about it and the travelers were not. And it probably was about wanting to travel more and not wanting the realization to set in or, not one to think about it a whole bunch, but it was just very interesting that the locals were talking about it, that I believe it was Singapore or Hong Kong. There was a top doctor. I don't fully want to say it, but there was a top scientist who came out and said that the, like this, all of these things that are going on, the city being locked down, you know, not being talked about too much, a couple other factors that went, went into it. It just wasn't right. And something wasn't normal about it. And that there, okay. there should be more eyes and more attention towards this thing, but it, it didn't really happen. I don't, yeah, I, it didn't really happen until at least, at least for me and my experience, what's crazy is it I, all of January, just cautious, being careful all of February, being cautious, careful, still traveling, still making plans in the beginning of March as well. Cautious, careful, taking plans in consideration. I was even beginning of March making plans for Eastern Europe, but it seemed that right when Rudy Gobert got the, mm-hmm. got the positive, that's when it all seemed to go down. 
because hmm. everything seemed to be fine. Everything seemed to be working. Like, and then the moment that happened, everything overseas started to change a little bit too. That's interesting because that was sort of the signal that and Tom Hanks and his wife getting it were sort of the <laughs> signal in the United States. Like, oh, maybe this is something bigger. I remember because when they canceled the the Go Bear game happened. I remember I was like, oh, this is this must be serious because the NBA would not be giving up all these millions of dollars if it wasn't a big deal. They're only canceling because something's really wrong, you know, and then it was like, OK, well, and then I remember it's like Tom Hanks. I was like, holy crap. Like my first thought was like, is Tom Hanks going to die? Like what? You know, because at that point, no one really knew what was going on, you know. And so but for you, so that's deep so march so are you because at that point too trump you know does some travel bans and all that stuff are you worried that you may get stuck over there or i mean that that seems that seemed pretty scary because like yeah just like where would you stay if you got stuck and anyway so yeah were you worried about getting stuck let's start there yes i guess that's the short answer just because I wasn't in Bangkok at that time and mm-hmm. Bangkok in, in the area has the best hospital. And I, I mean, I was trying to make plans to go back to Thailand just for that reason, just to, just to be safe. If I were to get it, that I would be able to be taken care of. And so you well. weren't thinking about coming back here yet. You were just trying to no. figure out how to manage over there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I looked on, all the travel advisories i looked on cdc i looked on whose website about it i looked in all the united states department of the to to try to find something about travelers who are already abroad when something like this happens and what to do and obviously mm-hmm. it's an unprecedented situation and uh, you know things like that but there was no information there's no hey come home when this is going on or hey do this or nothing like what that. was your so, family saying were they like hey you should maybe think about coming back or yeah so come mid i, I want to say mid-february is when my mom started telling me to come back and my, my mom also traveled quite a bit so for mm. her to say that it was it hurt her but for her it was out of love and that she didn't want me to you know catch this new thing mm-hmm. and my pops my pops wanted me back home too my best friends were even telling me to come back home but it was one of those things where it's like guys i'm i'm not doing that right now i'm, mm-hmm. I'm traveling i'm on my trip and everybody's around here right now seems to be okay and grant at that time it seemed that i was in a better because if i were to come back home after being in that area that didn't seem like the best idea either right it's one of those where it's like, where can I find a spot to camp out for for a while? And it was trying to get back to Bangkok. But I want to, from March 10th to March 13th, there it, it went from me being able to go to Cambodia, which was the next place I was planning on going to. It went from me being able to go and do that to their border, shutting off American travelers, to Vietnam, shutting off their border to travelers, and Thailand requiring x amount of time when you come and visit of just being in a ho- hotel and so quarantining one, mm-hmm. yeah exactly and so it was around that time too that new zealand ended up shutting off all of its borders and doing it right from the jump and i had a buddy down there who was able to take me in for a little bit but i i it, it, I just didn't feel right doing that. I didn't feel right going to New Zealand and being in this new country and not be able to experience and explore it and then just be, sh- you know, shacked up in a room for that mm-hmm. whole time. 
and then have to spend X, X amount of money again to fly back home when I can just head back home and, and, and call it good. But yeah, I, yeah, mind you, I have videos of me from when I got to Georgetown in about March 10th, where I was already making plans to go to Eastern Europe. I was meeting other travelers who we were trying to find different festivals and different things to go to in Europe. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> like literally that next day, everything was shutting off. Everything was closing down. I wasn't able to, to, to go to Cambodia because they closed off their borders. I mean, they, yeah, it, it really wasn't in, in an instant. Well, because I remember yeah. seeing like on the news, like all of the international airports were jam packed because people like when Trump announced a travel ban, everyone was freaking out and trying to get back in to the country. Did you have any experience with that or were you good? That's the that was the weirdest thing, too, because I that's what we were hearing. We were hearing. I mean, we were seeing things from JFK, Chicago, O'Hare, Atlanta, seeing all those places and they look oh i look miserable <laughs> and luckily i met uh, i met someone who lives in california now who just finished uh, peace corps in myanmar around this time and so luckily her and i had the same shared experience but it was very weird like we watched a video on our way back to la from taiwan and the, it was like a 15 minute video about how we're taking safety into account and how you gotta have all your paperwork ready how you have to have Every, you know, just be prepared for long lines to wait for tests. It took us eight minutes from the moment that we landed to get our stuff. And that's, and that's with security checks. That's with asking what we brought over everything. And the whole time I thought it was a joke. I thought we were being led to somewhere else and then get the process going. But no, we, as soon as the last person said, yeah, you're good. Go get your bags. It's like, we were just like that. That's how we're going to take it. Like that's I get it, fine, but like that, it just seemed weird that we didn't get tested, we didn't get nothing like that. Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was just very strange. So I didn't, I didn't have that experience that a lot of other people had on the East Coast. Because, yeah. yeah, that is especially coming back from a region close to the hotspot. You know, it's, I mean, mm. I guess it's sort of close, but I mean, wow. Hmm. <laughs> It's close. I mean, that it's like if if you were to go to Chicago for mm -hmm. a bit and then come back from Chicago after you know, a couple weeks, you would think that the people here in Oregon would want to get you tested for being around those people. Sure. And then coming back. I mean, that's the same kind of distance relatively that, you know, Vietnam is to Wuhan, that Laos is to Wuhan, that North Thailand is to Wuhan, that... You know, it, it's just so close in that area. And I, I, I might have it off just by a little bit, but that's about the same distance. And so it's just so mind boggling that you would have something going on. Like, let's say something was going on in Denver or you know, Austin. You would think that the places on the far reaching of that nation would want to take care of it or want to get you tested or would want to do something to get it figured out. But yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was just very weird. I, yeah, I, I thought we were going to get tested. I thought everything, I thought we, I'd have to do quarantine. I thought they would have to tell me to go hide away for a while. Nothing. They just said, welcome back home and get your stuff wow. and, and, get, and get rolling. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget that. That dude handed me my passport and just said, welcome home, sir. <laughs> I don't, wow. I don't want to, don't want to like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just very weird. Okay. So then you get you get back and then what happens? Cause I mean, you were planning on, I mean, how long were you planning oh, yeah. on traveling? It's on my birthday. So June 2nd. 
Okay. So I was planning on going from January 5th to about June 2nd. It would have been a couple of days after, but it was it was about that time. And so yeah. I was planning on leaving Kuala Lumpur to go to Cambodia uh, towards the end of March. And then I was going to be in Cambodia from March until April 20th, April 25th, somewhere around there. Then I was going to make my way over to Bangkok for just a couple days and then from Bangkok over to Romania and then from Romania work my way up to Estonia and Latvia and then work my way west over to France and Spain and I really wanted to stop in Germany and that's that's one place Romania and Germany just really wanted to stop at and so I was making plans to do that and I was I was you know getting my European you know European rail card all set routes and everything planned up yeah, I was I was set and ready. <laughs> I was set. Everything was planned and ready to go all the way until June for for this backpacking. And yeah, due to unforeseen circumstances, had to not necessarily had to, but it was more. I just, I, yeah, it was one of those where it ended up feeling and seeming like a better situation to come back home. And for sure, like, for sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, because the unknown. Like, you know, you don't want to be stuck over there with the unknown exactly and so like like it's just one of those where it's like if i could but at the same time if i were to get the and something doesn't work or you know my car doesn't work here my insurance isn't compatible i you know Mm -hmm. i won't be able to get any of the help that i would need or want and so that that definitely played the biggest factor i'm assuming you probably had to be thinking too like what if someone in your family gets sick and you're abroad you know what i mean like it's just kind of a weird it would have been a weird situation to be you know, halfway across the world, or I guess all the way across the world and not be able to, you know, be around when, if something bad happened here too. So I'm assuming that factored yeah. in as well. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. There, yeah. There's a few things that, that played a big part into, into me coming, into me coming back because I definitely wanted to make it work, but with this unknown and then you, know, you have so many top scientists just, caution and, and and a little bit worried it just and i i went out and messaged my grandpa around that time too asking him for his opinion and mind you he wanted me to keep going and keep mm-hmm. traveling but granted other things were getting locked down and, and and shut down and borders closed so it wasn't really an option at least at least for me i just didn't yeah, for me i just didn't want to get stuck somewhere to the point where i didn't have enough funds to get back home mm-hmm. and then have with that sticky situation that's right. just not something i wanted to do with and i can always save up money and i can always work and i can always do other stuff to go and get that back and, and go travel and whatnot but you know my health i can't <laughs> like right. i only got one body you know right so I gotta, I gotta be smart with it nobody and like you said nobody really knew what it was i mean mm-hmm. nobody really knew at the time how deadly it was how contagious it was how anything like that nobody nobody truly knew and so it was just new pandemic or new virus that causes a pandemic and hardly anybody's used to it or seen it or bodies anything like that and so that alone was a big thing where it's like i'm not around all these people all the time mind you i am right now but if i go back home i will have to separate myself for a while just so i don't get them because they were saying for 10 to 14 days of quarantine Mm -hmm. still i think it's still they dropped it down to 10 days but yeah so now, okay, so you get back early, and then what? You're like, oh, all right, well, here I am. So well, you quarantine for a while. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just weird. I mean, like, literally going from a time and a place where if I didn't like the city, I could just up and leave. If mm-hmm. I didn't like I could just go and do whatever. I could just walk outside and get food or whatever. And so to go and have 10 weeks of that and then come back home to, to you can't leave. <laughs> like you just can't leave your home. It was very weird. So when you got back, the lockdown was in place. Yeah. So I came back okay. March. I, yeah, I came back March 15th and it seemed that everything locked and shut down on March 17th. If okay. I'm correct. Okay. Yeah. So like, like literally I came back and my mom was like, Oh, you know, you probably could have stayed a couple more days. You probably could have done this and that. And it's like, I don't know. There's something, something up with it. And then March 17th is when they closed off the borders and everything. So wow. it was, it was really good timing. It was, it was nick of the hair really. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. you, you get back and everything gets shut down. So you're just like hanging out at the house or hanging out the house, Netflix the- and for the first week it was going over a lot of the photos and videos that mm. i took it was, mm-hmm. it was just kind of reminiscing about that it was it was really locking because it didn't hit me until a couple of days after i got home and it's like yo like you you did that like you just went mm. and traveled backpacked like like you did the thing that you've always wanted to do and so it's kind of setting in with that for the first week and then after that first week i started to get a little bit antsy and trying to get out the house or trying to do something but i was being really really respectful too as much as i can because it, it was my mama's house you know it's my mom's right. stepdad and my brother and my brother has a weak immune system and my mom has a iffy immune system and so i really what for two weeks i didn't leave the room i didn't really go down much if i needed something i asked them to go get it for me i just i I did everything i could because i've seen what what it was starting to do overseas and then you start to see all the stuff in the news and it's like i i I gotta be smart (laughs) i I, I got to at least for the first couple weeks when i get back into a place that's not even mine is to be as smart and respectful as i can and so yeah for the first two weeks nothing and then after that probably i want to say about a month after we would do small stuff i mean i'd go outside help them out out in the yard we'd go on for a little walk on the streets if there wasn't anybody around just kind of keeping it low-key basic not really doing a whole bunch but i i didn't have a job i didn't have anything like that so it's just kind of hanging out and waiting to see if there is a good time to go out and apply and even then that was the big thing that kind of came up where if i do go, go and get a job i mean i'm putting all these other people at risk because my mom ended up having to move to work at home, which mm-hmm. she thrived perfectly fine. But my step pop still has to go to work every day. And mm-hmm. it was one of those where there, there was just so much uncertainty. And right. so I, I told him, like, all right, I will wait a while until things get a little bit better or until the situation improves or until an opportunity strikes for me to have a job. I, I won't right now. It feels weird, but, <laughs> you know, with everything going on and then. You know, that lasted for probably a couple months. It lasted until, I want to say, end of May or towards the end of May. And then that's when I got a message from uh, my GM now because I used to work at Basil and Board prior to prior to me leaving. Shout out to and Basil and Board. Shouts out Basil and Board. We're actually doing frozen pizzas a lot now, so shouts out to that. That's, okay. That's crazy. Okay. That's so weird. But... They, yeah, they, they, he shot me a message saying, Hey, we, we, we need you. If you, if you want to come back, we're starting the rooftop again. And I know, I know you need a job. And it was one of those where it's like, yes, this, this perfectly works out. And I, you know, I love working for them too. It's, it's a good company and good culture and good people. And so they thankfully reached out to me. So it was a couple months of not even doing anything. It was, 
Yeah, from March 15th until May 20th, I didn't do anything. I didn't, it, it really was a total 180 from traveling the world and doing anything and everything I wanted to literally not leave my home for two months. Mm. It was very weird. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you sure. fill your time with? Like, how do you, how do you fill was, your time in there? It was a lot of just different random reading. I mean, I, I definitely could have taken it and, you know, tried it up my language is as far as going on Duolingo and trying to study a bit more Mm -hmm. or, you know, reading some books or binge Netflix, or I have a hard time actually watching Netflix. I have a hard time just watching TV shows in general. It's, it's tough for me to just sit down and watch something from the start to finish. I I don't know why I just have, uh, maybe it's antsy. Maybe it's, I need to get up and move around. But for me during that time frame, it really was just trying to read. It really was, just trying to watch different YouTube videos. Um, Did you for read me, anything I, cool in that time? Was there a book you could recommend from? Oh, not, oh, 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 what was it? Um, the only book that I actually ended up completing, because there's a whole bunch I read. About yeah, halfway. yeah, I do that too. I do that too. <laughs> Such a bummer. <laughs> but one of them, it's called An Arabian, An Arabian Journey. And I'll try okay. to get the name of the author before you know yeah but yeah but but he it's a beautiful thing he's he's this uh, he's from the uk and he was a soldier but for him it's about storytelling and traveling and he wanted for this journey and book he wanted to do the entire he wanted to walk and and (laughs) travel the, the old school way the arabian peninsula so if I remember correctly, it, this started off in Afghanistan. No, I, mind you, I forget where exactly it started, but it's going mm. through Oman, Yemen, and Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, and he's just meeting the different people and cultures, and it really forces you to view these people in different. Because he's he's doing this traveling, he he's just traveling and and staying with locals and and just trying to get a sense of what this place is like because there's so many different cultures and peoples and religions that are in this area and so he's just trying to figure out what is all about what what's happening what you know who these people think actually own the place or what have you and so he it it was just a beautiful thing seeing or not seeing but reading him go through uh, the desert in i believe it's yemen I do apologize about that, but it's just seeing him and how he's talking with these locals and, and, and going through a desert and a jungle just to get to another part of the country because they don't have the infrastructure to do so, hmm. you know, and it's, it's seeing how they still live a life of what we perceive of hundreds of years ago. I mean, they, they, when they're out traveling, they pitch up a little small tent, a little blanket, and that's, that's their, that's their bed for the night, whatever ground that they can find. And so it, it, it was more about just finding out, not necessarily about him, but about how you can't really, until you go and live in their shoes or until you go experience their culture or until you at least go experience other people and their ways of life, you know, it's, it's really hard to, and it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't come to conclusions about people and you shouldn't really come to conclusions about cultures or, or why they do stuff or, you know, how, you know, all that or why it came to be and so that that's the one book that i would recommend if you want to get a different perspective of an area that you probably heard differently throughout your life i, I know for sure i heard a lot about saudi arabia and yemen differently in different areas and then you read this book and the people that you know wants to portray 
it's totally different. And so that, I, I think that's the main, that's the only book that I read during that time. Hmm. Okay. That, that, that actually made it, that stuck with me. That made me want to finish it. That, that had my attention. It, yeah, I'll try to get the, the, the author as well. Yeah, sure. We can link it in the show notes. Um, okay. So you start working, but then again, things get shut down, right? Like, I mean, even that, I mean, like, like how yeah, did, I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> I mean, it, it I, I don't know, because we, we opened up the, the rooftop end of May, mm-hmm. and that's when people were able to be out and about. That's when we, I mean, even I think the downstairs was, you know, I think our lobbies were still open. And so people can come in and dine inside. And I mean, we had a decent amount of people all the way through the summertime. But yeah, come that second shutdown, that was, that was, it was just unexpected. I mean, we knew it was coming. We knew it was, it, it, what, we thought it was going to be around this time that we were going to be getting shut down. We thought that, okay, after Christmas, after thing, everything settles in, then we'll get hit with a shutdown or when the Biden transition comes in, maybe mm-hmm. that'll happen. We just didn't expect it to happen right before Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. so for us, it was just trying to scramble and figure out how to, how to manage that. So right. where we're not too many people, you know, working and not doing a whole bunch, but also trying to make sure that we're delivering a great service and that we're, you know, getting the food out and, and just able to, to match the, the volume of orders. And it, it, it's just, it, it, yeah, for me, it's really interesting <laughs> when you have mom and pop shops shut down. But yeah. We can still go to Target and we can still go to Walmart and we can right. still go out and do things. And I mean, yeah. I'm, mind you, I'm still that person that went and shopping at Christmas to go to Target to get some stuff. So sure. I can't really hate too much, but it, 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 yeah, it's, it's just a bummer, I guess. It's, it's, well, uh, and it, it does seem, you know, I heard, I saw a clip of Rogan. There were some restaurant guys from LA on there talking. The the president of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, has started like a fund to help small businesses, especially restaurants, because of all the shutdowns. It it does seem I, I've had issues with the lockdown. I'm I'm all for cautious stuff, but it, it does seem to me like they've hit the restaurant industry especially hard. And I don't know that there's data that shows that the virus was spreading heavy in restaurants. You know, if there is data for that, I, I would like to see it, but I mean, I haven't heard that. And so it just seems weird to me that they've been so restrictive for restaurants. I mean, the tables being six feet apart seemed to make sense, you know, wearing your mask, you know, while you're not at your table made sense, but uh, completely closing them down didn't seem to make sense. And, you know, to see the amount of businesses that are going out of business is, you know, something that's going to have an impact long-term on the economy as, as well, excuse me, once we, you know, are through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could, I'm all, I'm all for it too. I'm all for cautious. If we're able to provide the, 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 the finances and, and other things needed to go and have that kind of lockdown and that kind mm-hmm. of, quarantine if we're able to have those those different states doing their own different thing it gets it gets kind of tough and so i just and just just rolling with the punches i guess is what is, is what all we're doing i mean we can't really complain too much i mean it it is what it is you can't mm-hmm. really i mean you can fight back as much as you want but it's and there is like to, to your my, my apologies but to what you were saying i haven't seen any data either i think the only thing that i've seen is about 
two different studies and both of them proved that it wasn't coming from restaurants. So I'm or at least spreading. It wasn't spreading as much in restaurants as it were in other places. Yeah. Yeah, just I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Um what was it? Oh, so are you still working right now then? Or Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean hours hours got cut a, you know a little bit and yeah, so luckily and thankfully, I I am working right now, and so that's that's a blessing in in itself. Is just keeping myself afloat and able to able to yeah. And that's you know, one thing I had Roger that from or Roger Schneider from Roger that Barbecue on here um, a couple weeks ago. I haven't posted the episode yet. I need to finish it and get it up. But one of the things you know we were talking about is supporting small businesses. You know, Basil and Board is a you know a one off locally owned restaurant you know have you seen people like are people making an effort to come in and still you know like i don't get food to go get these frozen pizzas i I have seen those that they're putting those out now like i mean have people been have you seen people trying to make an effort to do that or how how can people help you know support local businesses during this time if they're possible if they're able to I, I kind of like just supporting anybody else. I mean, kind of like supporting you, know, you and your podcast where mm. it's like, you know, a share and a like and a, and a follow goes, goes a million, million times farther than, than you really think. I mean, it's, it's kind of even just coming in and getting a little soda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even coming in and, and, and grabbing a you know $5 gift card. I mean, it's, it's, it's things like that where, I mean, the gift card too is pretty big because that's money that is going to be used for that specific place. Mm-hmm. And so goes for job crew that goes for urban grant i mean that goes for so many different places but i mean for for us it's yeah i apologize but i apologize you asked something and i was going off on a little yeah no no i was just asking like have you noticed the community kind of trying to sort of rally around these small businesses or has it been super empty or like what's going on with your experience i mean my experience with just where I'm at, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I mean, people really have started to come together. And I mean, what is it? Last week, we had three separate people, either from organizations themselves, what have you, purchase over $2,000 in gift cards each. Mm. And so it's it's people like that who they really, that, that, that support right there is just mind-boggling on its own. Mm. But having come in who are regulars or people who come in every once a week or something like that and they think do you know any of those businesses or organizations that did that i do know family building blocks uh they okay ended up purchasing 50 uh family meals from us which is a beautiful thing Uh, i forget which dentist's office but there was a dentist's office right down the road on liberty street ended up purchasing about i want to say a thousand dollars in gift cards um i get their their name down um there's a couple other ones. I, I personally have, those are the ones that I personally seen. And when I, okay. just, those are the ones, but there are definitely more who come in and have been purchasing X amount of gift cards to give out to people. I mean, Ike box, I think it's Ike box downtown. They no Isaac's my fault. Isaac's ended up purchasing a whole bunch of different, I think it was mind you. I apologize. It's either Isaac's or one other coffee shop downtown, but they ended up purchasing, mm-hmm. I think it was a thousand dollars for, uh, in gift cards from Venti's. And it's, mm. it's things like that where you have a local shop buying other local shops, gift cards, and then giving yeah. that out to their customers so they can go. I mean, it's, it's that whole cycle that keeps everything going. 
And, mm-hmm. and so I, I really have seen a, a support from the community. I've seen a lot of people um, just try to eat out even more. I, mm-hmm. I've met, um, what was it? Uh, there's someone who ended up only coming in about once a month or so prior to this whole pandemic happening. And then once it hit and then they realized how much it's been hitting the local businesses, she made it a point to start coming in once a week, even if it's just for a salad or even if it's just for coffee or something like that. It's, it's just the point of, hey, like I could go spend this money here, but to support you right now, I'm going to spend the money with you and to keep you going and keep you afloat. So yeah, I've definitely seen I've definitely seen it with certain other companies. I mean, our company is impossible without <laughs> partners from different companies. So it's, you know, it's it's well, and the the one thing that has scared me about the the restaurant industry in this time is that, you know, the fast food restaurants are thriving right now. You know, I mean, they're they're packed and that was an interesting point that the guy made on Rogan little clip I heard uh, he was saying, you know, like there's no lobby group for, you know, small business, independent chain restaurants, you know, the food lobby, the restaurant lobby is all run by fast food businesses and they have no incentive to help small businesses right now because they're making a killing. So, you know, and I did think about that. Like, I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, if, if a place like Venti's or Annette's or someplace goes out of business, like they're, they're not coming back. You know what I mean? Like that's not something that, Oh, well they can just reopen later. Like, I mean, these small businesses, especially in the food industry, it's not like in the restaurant industry, it's not like there's a ton of margin to begin with. Like, I mean, they're running on fairly thin margins to begin with in good times. And so, you know, when you add all these restrictions and and the shutdowns, I mean, when these places close, like they're not, reopening yeah that, 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 that's something that people need to realize is that like annette's if annette's closed like that part of salem is gone mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we, we don't really think about that but venti's has been a staple in salem for i think 20 years now 25 years mm-hmm. i mean it's it's things like that where if you lose that like sure there could be another business or there could be another restaurant or something like that that comes up and takes that spot and moves it forward but like that part of that history of your town or city is gone off of that and and like but like you said it's <laughs> yeah it's, it's like you said about even that. even if even if a restaurant can come in and take their place the uh, the the likelihood of someone starting a business right now in this economic uncertainty is not very high unless it's something you know like another fast food spot you know or some kind of like something that has the backing of a franchise or a lot of money so it's like you're not gonna it's not like oh well if venti's closes that's fine because someone else will come up behind it because that's not really feasible right now i mean it's not this is not the right i mean i if you were thinking about starting a a food business right now that had a restaurant, you know, I mean, maybe a takeout spot would make sense, but if you were going to open a restaurant right now, I mean, you, I think most, I I don't know that you could get a loan for that. If you needed like a small business loan, I'm not even sure you could get a small business loan for a restaurant right now, just because, I mean, there's no way for you to make money. Like, why would you open right now? So um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, something that I think, there are people concerned about, but I don't know if they're as con- it's almost like the Rudy Gobert game. They almost need like small businesses to shut down. I think in the bigger cities it's happening, but I haven't seen it so much in Salem where, you know, 
a restaurant that people frequented a bunch pre-pandemic has gone out of business. But I mean, if, if the if the stuff keeps going on, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, if this keeps going on till February, March, all of these places that we love, they're they're really going to take a much bigger hit. That's that, yeah. that's for sure. I mean, it's like like with Venti's. Yeah, you're, you're the community has really come behind. I'm just using Venti's for example because of the connection with Basil and Board, but it, mm-hmm. it it's just one of those where Venti's is a staple. And once they found, once the community found out how much trouble they were really in, I mean, they did a GoFundMe, <laughs> mind you. Mm-hmm. They, they they were really hitting rock bottom. Once they found out, like that's how hard it was starting to hit these places. I think that's when people started to step up even more. And I mean, mind you, a lot of these places have to convert to the new times. They have to try to do something mm-hmm. modern. They have to try to get the takeout, the delivery. They have to try to get something going because that is. But that takes time to convert over, you know. It's not like right away. I mean, Roger said, you know, they have one phone line there. Yep. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, and, I'm, and I'm, they didn't even answer it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it just got to a point where he just he didn't answer any of the calls that came in because he wasn't able to take them. He, you know, I'm too busy making food and trying to get other right. Going. Well, and that's what he said. He said for the first couple of years when things were good, you know, like they didn't even answer the phone. But you know, then once this once the pandemic hit now that's like the you know main way they're getting orders so um you know like he's having to change the whole way they did business so you know it's it's just it is going to take time for these businesses to be able to do that how have you seen that how has that been at where you work basil and board like what what's the transition been like there luckily not bad <laughs> luckily not bad um because like you said with with roger I mean, with Venti's, I mean, that's that's kind of what it was with Venti's for a little bit with mm-hmm. Roger that with, oh, there's a couple more just right at the tip of my tongue. But with them, they Basil and Board had a takeout system prior to all this happening. And mm-hmm. we were really pushing for that. We were really pushing for people to get takeout because we knew that we were going to have people come in and, and get food inside and so it was a big push of like hey we can do takeout it doesn't take that long like we, we can't do it and then we also started or we're thinking about starting the delivery service prior to the pandemic starting and so we were already getting stuff kind of ready for it and we were you know getting the system in place and, and the drivers in you know in place and just kind of getting everything set and then with that hitting that was just a big push where it's like all right i guess we'll just double down even more onto this let's really push this out to people let's expand the radius that we deliver to people and just try to get as many people to deliver as we can and in, at first nobody really used us i mean at first we only get mm-hmm. maybe a delivery or two a day but fast forward a little bit i think it was last friday we did like 50 deliveries about hmm. and then well see and i didn't even know you guys were doing delivery yeah, see and that's the thing where it's <laughs> yeah trying to get it out and open but yeah that's the thing where we do our own delivery service instead of having to go through grubhub or uber eats or postmates or DoorDash mm-hmm. or those it, which a lot of times i think people are like oh we'll, we'll just grubhub or we'll just uber eats and it'll be we're helping the businesses out it's actually not really as helpful because not at all those services uh force the restaurants to give them a discounted price on the food and then you know that they don't see any part of the delivery fees or anything like that so um that's something else too that roger brought up that i was i've been trying to talk about on the podcast as well too because it's important to know that like 
just because you Uber Eats doesn't mean you're supporting local businesses. Exactly. And it, it, yeah. I mean, at first it was awesome to get people out and about and trying to get them to, to support those businesses. But like, I mean, like you said, probably like what Roger was saying, there's so many different things that go into those delivery services or into those services in general that the mm-hmm. fees and the, 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 upmark on your items or even the discount on the items if they go that way that it, it takes so much i mean there is a point in time uh, one month at basil where half of our at half was gone to due to these businesses mm-hmm. like we can't we can't do that like you can't like it's it's awesome to bring that business in but we that's not sustainable at least for mm-hmm. what we need and so that's why we pushed even more the delivery service because it's just a five dollar flat fee. None of our prices change. It's the same price as everything else, and that's that's that. You can order straight online, and it's it should be pretty simple and easy. Hmm. So that luckily we've been we've been pushing, and it is a bummer that a lot of places haven't been prepared for that. And mind you, they didn't really need to. Honestly, yeah. prior to this year, I mean, like. I, I, mean, I don't know about you. I don't know. Did did you order a lot of food prior to pandemic? No. Like Uber Eats? No. Or, you know, anything like no. that? No. No. Not really. No, so, did, have you since then? Have you used? Reed? No, not really. Uh, I mean, like only in because honestly, I don't. I'm too cheap. I don't like to no, pay the extra sure. fees. For so sure. um, you know, like it, it's only in a situation. I recorded a podcast with Noza, and he wanted to get Hawaiian time, and um. I don't want to fight the traffic on mission. So it was like, okay, I'll Uber. I I don't I think I grub hub for that or DoorDash is DoorDash. No free plug. I'm not, you know, but anyway, I use them to, to get that just for the time saving and the convenience. But most of the time, like I'll just go get food if I want to get it. That's awesome. What about you? See, I, I did for a little bit. I would use DoorDash. I would use Grubhub. I I would use those things, but it's more for, at least I was telling myself it was more for just keeping inside. It was just kind of mm-hmm. indoors and just keeping low key. But I mean, if you really look at it, it was just being not necessarily lazy, but it's just that, that ease of, of, okay. Well, Convenience. I, yeah, exactly. I can get a burrito. Come, come well, right now my door, like they're getting smart. <laughs> DoorDash, DoorDash has a deal where you pay like nine ninety nine a month and then you don't have to pay delivery fees or you pay like reduced fees you know it's like a subscription model now it's like man that's so smart because then it makes it easier if you know if you're just paying 10 bucks but you don't have to pay it every single time you're like oh well this makes sense if i get six me i it's so smart i was like mad that they did it i was like these jerks dudes so smart but it really you know i mean a lot of those go ahead oh no i was just just, it's very smart That's, that's yeah you know, because pre-pandemic, a bunch of those places, you know, those businesses were in were operating in the red, and there was some talk. I remember, I think it was Grubhub had spent a bunch of money and was not making any money, and there was talks about maybe them having to go out of business. And I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, since the pandemic, they probably they're in a healthier financial spot now. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy that the food service, the convenience of it is yeah it's it's dangerous too you know i mean to the to the small businesses as well so yeah i mean it's it's just like those conglomerates like with target and walmart with i mean mind you like i don't necessarily have an issue with big retailers i I mean i do for that's a whole different topic but it's just 
if it's getting to the point where small businesses can't thrive or even just survive, I mean, that that's what makes everything beautiful. <laughs> that's that's what mm-hmm. makes, that's what makes community, in, in my opinion. That's what makes maybe not necessarily businesses by itself, but it's the people behind them. It's the people that, that drive it. And so it, it's just tough. It's just so tough when it's things are so uncertain and you don't know what's going to be happening. And, you know, one week, everything's fine. You're serving people inside. And then the next week you can't serve people. You know, mm-hmm. or you or you can only do takeout or delivery in a way that you haven't done so or you're not prepared to do so and you don't have any right it, at least from what it seems i mean there's no government entity or there's no corporation or something a body of government whatever organization being like hey here's to help you here's how we can help you transition here's how we can get you to go from what you're at and make it so that you're thriving in this kind of environment because clearly it's not going away <laughs> i mean we're clearly right not doing it. like we're clearly not doing what we need to be doing i mean doing it a little bit but it's it's something that's going to be with us for a little bit and so it's kind of a bummer mm-hmm. that they, it's, just, it, it, it's just a bummer that they didn't take the opportunity that they had and because they, they had a beautiful opportunity to do something and they just didn't take it <laughs> i mean they just yeah you know, and it just well, I, I guess I think the pandemic has kind of exposed, and I, I've been talking about it for a while that you know, politicians are not leaders; they're politicians. You know what I mean? And and this was not, you know, they don't they they haven't put out any guidelines to help people because they don't know. You know what I mean? They made, like I said, the lockdown. Let's see the data that shows that the lockdowns are effective at stopping the spread because I don't think that's the case. I mean, I. I haven't seen data the other way, but I mean, I don't think that there's, if we looked at the real data, I don't think that you could show that it's that the lockdowns of restaurants have been effective at slowing the spread, you know, and, and the guidelines they put in place, putting the table six feet apart and, you know, lowering the capacity and all that. I mean, I think that stuff was probably fine too, you know, probably the same level of efficacy without having to shut the business down, you know, and, um, but again, did they have re- restaurants and local business owners coming in to help shape the guidelines and figure out how to make it work and make it safe with, you know, healthcare professionals? No, they just made a decision and then said, this is what's going to happen, you know? So I don't know. I have definitely not been impressed by the government, but I haven't been impressed with the government for a long time. So yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I guess that was the thing for me where it, it like, I, Let's forget about China, if you if if you will, if that if that's if that's how so set you are on certain stuff. Let's forget about China. I mean, Italy and Spain had this practice, and they were screaming from the rooftops, and they were lit like literally. We can go back and see all the videos that they were making, and all these people like Mm -hmm. take this serious. And Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just thinking back to that moment in time where it's we we had you know, all this time, and we had all these different things, and it's like we have an opportunity right now to keep like. Not necessarily keep our position because I believe the United States has definitely fallen over over the course of even the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, it's just that one last little stretch to protect your people and to keep your people afloat and, and to really make it known to the world that you're not a slacking nation and that you can't yeah. still uphold the promises and the responsibilities that you think. Yeah. Well, and I felt like there were some missteps, you know, Fauci telling people at first that masks weren't necessary and weren't effective because it didn't want everybody to you know buy all the stuff like that was a stupid that was the, stupid mistake 
because it then made people think, well, is the government just lying to us? And I think the miscalculation there was that he didn't realize that everyone already doesn't trust the government on both, whatever side of the political spectrum you land. Everybody is distrustful of what's coming out of the government. So then when it comes out that they actually lied about the pandemic, then I think people are like, well, why would we listen to anything that you say? And then, you know, like you were talking about how in Asian countries, you know, it's more it's more common to wear masks when you're sick and it's more like, it's more just like a courtesy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I don't want you to get sick. I'm feeling sick. So I'm gonna wear a mask. Like I remember someone, someone had posted a meme about that. You know, they were talking about how dumb it was in this country that there was even this issue about wearing masks, not wearing masks. And they were saying, you know, in Asian countries, this is just a courtesy. I think like, yeah, like that is because like, I didn't have an opinion on masks, whether there was, I, you know, I wasn't a staunch anti-masker or whatever, but I, I mean, I was wearing masks. I thought it was made sense. But then when I was like, I was like, yeah, why is, why are people like, even if you like, this is my right to not wear a mask. Well, yeah, but just don't be a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let's just make sure we try to keep people from getting sick. You know, it's not, I don't know. No, I w- but to think of it with that mindset made a lot of sense for me. I'm like, yeah, why, why are we so resistant to this? It's not, I don't know, it's, they're not taking away our rights, just no. a chance to maybe not get people sick. No, exactly. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing where it's like, like none of your rights are being taken away. You're not being, nothing's being stripped off the amendments. Nothing's really, mm-hmm. you know, in the bill, of, like nothing like that. It's, it's, it's just a simple little thing that you put on to protect your I mean, if I'm hacking up a lung and, and feeling sick as a dog, but I still need to go out and get groceries, Luckily, now times are a little bit different, but I mean, back, you, mm. you just get up, put on a mask and do your best to not really interact with many people. Right. You know, whereas meanwhile, here, <laughs> yeah, you know, meanwhile, you have, you know, the Patriot Act that happened after September 11th. That's like way more restricted people's rights. But, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy how we've just become because when you talk about like the fall of the American society. I just think we've become so reactionary, you know, like we can't have conversations where people disagree. People don't aren't as thoughtful anymore. You know, they're just like something happens. They react like however they feel about it in the moment becomes like the hill they die on, you know? And it's like, um, I can't remember who I was talking to, but did a podcast. There was always my friend, Brian, he was talking about Joe Rogan and kind of taught him not to be married to your ideas. I thought like that phrasing was really good. I think this country, we are too married to our ideas. Very much so. You know what I mean? And it becomes like, no matter what it is, used to be just like religion or whatever, but now it's like anything, you know, anything at all can become this issue where, you know, like it's crazy to me that masks became a political issue. It should have never even been a political issue. A little, a little cloth thing, a little, a little small mm-hmm. thing you put on became one of the biggest issues in in, in America mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I, I mean, it. The thing that confuses me and the thing that I saw, where it's you have the same, and I'm not going to point because it's on all sides. It's not, you know, yeah, it's on all for sides, sure. But it's it's, you know, you say that you purchase a gun to protect your family, but you won't wear something that has been proven to protect others. It's, it's one of the, mm-hmm. where it's like, it, it, it's stuff like that where it just gets really like it, it 
Yeah, to the point where everything and anything just becomes an issue. <laughs> For sure. And, and and it shouldn't be like that. It, it really shouldn't. It, it should be more, you know, how can I protect you? How can I help you? And I mean, granted, For sure. there's so many people here, you know, you're going to get oddballs. You're going to get people to do whatever you know they want. But for the most part, it's it, it's it's not about control. It's not about anything like that. It's just the, like you said, and then kept referring to the courtesy of mm-hmm. your neighbor. That's that's really what it is. Yeah, and and it, and I am a gun owner too, and I think you should wear a mask. So I'm not like we can't. No, absolutely. Say all gun owners are are exactly. off too, but exactly. And, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm just like <sighs> like my my step pops a gun owner, my best friend gun owner. I'm all for it but it, it, it's the ones at least for me the, the extremists that are like well i can do whatever sure. i want so i'm not gonna wear this thing or i'm gonna do whatever but it's like i see you wearing a seatbelt when you're driving your car mm-hmm. like why are you wearing your seatbelts you know it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's stuff like that where it's like we get upset about certain stuff that's not into our culture or not into our you know what our day-to-day life but then we forget right. all the other stuff that we're already dealing with <laughs> like, yeah no, I agree. It's uh, yeah, it's weird time. So I guess we went off on this little rant here, but like, where where do you see like what's next? Like, what's the plan? Like, I mean, you are you planning on going back out and finishing the trip, or kinda, like what's kind of? So I, I I guess this will help back it up too a little bit for for your listeners and and, and people. Um, one of the things that I want to do with my life is to travel and not just travel to experience things, but to travel and try to give either perspective, either a new lens, uh, help uh, something. And so I, I, I do plan on going back out and I do plan on the place I will be going to is Eastern Europe. I just, there's something in between Russia and all their places they used to have and Western Europe and the history of it just really want to go experience that. And I wanted, I try, I wanted to go at the end of this year, but with everything going on, obviously that yeah doesn't happen like that. But um, no, I am planning in 2024, somewhere around there planning on not just finishing this trip, but then getting going on another trip where I'll be doing North Africa and uh, more Eastern Europe and Western Asia. So not so much being over in Thailand and Cambodia, but more in India, uh, Pakistan, um, even Iran, that area, Kazakhstan. The, those places really interest me. They more so than South America, more so than Africa, more so than than all those places. But no, I, I so 2024, I am planning on doing a backpacking trip over to Eastern Europe go to Western Europe, down to North Africa, and then over to, to Western Asia. Um, but I also want to try to start doing stuff too. I want to try to start giving back. I want to try to start doing doing something. And so for, for me, when I was traveling, one of the things that helped out a lot or not even helped out a lot that, that made it so much easier for a traveler like me to travel was accommodation. So it's finding something that's cheap either with other people or even just a private room. And so that's something that I'm looking to do with someone or something like that going forward is to try to go in on not necessarily a rental property, but maybe a little villa or maybe something like that. And that we can then use the profits from that 
back into it and try to help travelers just travel and not necessarily were to even help them out being like, Hey, we have somewhere over here. If you want to go travel, we can get you a common and here's a little travel plus pass, or here's a little food card or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. that that's going to take so long. I'm not even focused. That's, that's a, that's a journey on itself. I mean, all those things are, are, it's going to take time, but as far as me and going forward, I mean, yeah. So I wanted to do something later on this year. I had plans to go to, to Eastern Europe and I do plan on going to Eastern Europe, but by 2030 is the big one where I want to end up getting a van and I will, but end up getting a van and start in Alaska and go all the way down to Ushia in South America. And that's something that I just always want to do. But yeah, so as far as it goes for me, it's just working, saving money, not, not being done with it and just trying to save and invest and just think about that future. I mean, that's, that's all, that's all I can do right now. You don't really want to go out and travel too much. Don't really want to, hmm. I mean, I do, don't get me wrong, but I just, just, I you know, just want to lay low and, and, and save money and work. Okay. And read and. Interesting. Well, once you, once you take these adventures and come back, you have to come back on the pod oh, and update us on what's going on. No, and if you, are you going to do like any kind of vlogs or like any, anything like that while you're traveling or writing or. Definitely some writing. Definitely. Uh, some vlog, not, not too much. And like I, for me, I feel really weird and I don't feel comfortable taking a stick with a camera or even just a camera mm-hmm. in general and going to all these local yeah. people and they just see some white boy filming them. Like I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, per, it just doesn't feel, but like what, what I'll do is like, as I'm walking between places, what, what I did on my last trip and it wasn't the best quality or anything, but what I would do is in between, you know, from walking from MBK to a tuk tuk to get back to the hospital in Thailand, I would take a video and just kind of talk about it real quick or, you know, send something to my mom or pops or something like that. So that's mm. something that I, that I definitely will have that 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 i do want to go and and do just because when i mean even now like going back and reading through some parts of my journal or some parts of the videos it just brings back that feeling that you had during that time frame and yeah so definitely going forward in those trips in those travels i will definitely have blogs i will definitely keep people updated any information that i can give people or that I can, because for example, like hostels, I never knew what a hostel was until I went and stayed in a hostel. And so each yeah. hostel that I stayed in, I ended up getting a video of, I'm not supposed to, but yeah, it, yeah. It, it's just to get a sense of what a hostel is like, because so many people that I know don't even know what it's like or what's inside or anything like that. And so it's mm-hmm. getting, getting that. And so I just went off a little tangent about that, but it's just, right. <laughs> I tend to do that. So if people, if people want to connect with you, how would, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh boy, I'm as as you as you know from my Facebook messages, I tend to be a little bit slow, and I'm I'm very sorry about that. Um, Instagram is probably the best one for me right now. Okay, what's your Instagram? We could, we'll tag in the show notes, but what is it? Oh, I appreciate it. It's Hunter DC H H U N N E R D C all lowercase. And I, okay. I tend to post a lot on my stories. I tend to not post too much as far as posts go, but that's something that I'm changing come next year because. That's something I just want to want to change and, and and post a little bit more and get that out there. But yeah, I definitely use a lot of my stories, and I'm definitely an instant messenger and a direct message. Okay. As well, and so right. if you do want to connect with me. If 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 people any have, I mean, I know other people that have traveled and and have a lot more experience than me. But even just a little tip and get things started. I mean, I have saved a, a whole bunch of my receipts. I saved a whole bunch of my budgets. I saved you know all that. So if people do have questions, feel free, and I'm I'm more than yeah. happy to answer that. 
Okay. Yeah, maybe you should start a blog and start posting some stuff on that. Maybe. Maybe I just yeah. I need to get rolling we, on something like that. <laughs> for sure. We we should talk after uh after the episode here. Is there anything else I forgot to mention that you wanted to plug or anything um, like that? I mean just shout out to loving people, I guess. Shout out to okay. the positive people. Um Shouts out to all the people that just wake up and and have a shitty situation, but choose to smile about it. I guess that's that's the big one because that kind of makes our community kind of go around when you see someone smiling and just being happy, but deep down they're hurting or, or feeling a lot of pain. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing driving by and someone's smiling and dancing for no reason. So it's big shout out to those people, especially during these times. And I mean, I don't got I don't got much else. I mean, just a whole right. a whole bunch of love for everybody. Cool. Well, thanks for being here today, Ben. Well, thank you. And now, hopefully, next time I can actually break down a little bit more. I know that I tend to go on little rants and I tend to go on little side stuff. And that's what podcasts are for, man. Yeah, exactly. So if people do need or want to know a little bit more about me, I can talk more about that too with them in private. But it's it's essentially just a just a happy, laid back kind of guy. That's that's all I am. <laughs> cool man and, uh, all right. and i appreciate you i appreciate you bringing me on i appreciate you being patient with me too it, it was, for sure it's really cool first one too so. for sure hey <laughs> yep.